Joining us on the line from Reader's Digest magazine, we say good morning to Stephanie Verge. Good morning, Stephanie. Good morning, John. Great to have you on the line. Another fantastic article in the pages of Reader's Digest magazine. This one coming from the health section. And uh, you know what? I don't want to have a bad pun, but it is a very sobering article. It's called Dangerous Drinking, a real eye-opener, Stephanie. It really is. I think many of us are unaware of what exactly constitutes dangerous drinking, and there is a rise, especially amongst women, and uh, we wanted to bring attention to that. Summertime is, you know, a time where everyone drinks a bit more. There's an uptick in our in our vices, if you will, and uh, so we, we thought this was a great time in our July and August issue to address this this question. And what's interesting is, it, is you define dangerous drinking, it, it's not to do with alcoholism. It is more about the health detriments of alcohol. Um, That's right. And it's a really high percentage of, of Canadians that regularly binge on booze, according to the article. Mm-hmm. So I think a lot of people assume that dangerous drinking is um, necessarily alcoholism. Well, binge drinking and alcoholism can overlap. The two are not the same. So we're focusing on people who are regularly binging on booze, as you say, and that's more than 15% of Canadians. We're looking at more than 6 million of us um, have have alcohol consumption to such a degree that it can be to the detriment of their relationships, but we're focused particularly on the health aspects. Okay, let's, uh, before we go further, how do we qualify what binge drinking is? What are we talking about here? Mm-hmm. So we're looking at global health gu- guidelines, say they're the same across the world, and what qualifies as a binge drinker, it's different between men and women. Um, it's based, obviously, on your height, weight, general physique. Uh, um, an average man has to imbibe five or more drinks in a couple of hours, and a woman four or more. That sounds high, I realize, if you think, oh, I'm having four drinks in, in two hours. Obviously, that's a lot. Well, the thing is, two pints of beer, we think one pint of beer is a drink, except that one pint of beer is more than a regular drink. And so if you have two pints of beer for and you're a woman, you're just under the threshold of binge drinking. So that's always something to keep in mind. Wow. Uh, what, what are the stats in terms of how many people do that? To me, that sounds pretty common. Yeah, it is. It's very common. So like I said, nearly 6 million Canadians are binge drinking at least once a month. The largest percentage um, is perhaps unsurprising. It's people between the ages of 18 and 34. But that's just accounting for 34 male drinkers and 23% of female drinkers. We're looking at the older population because I think often we don't. We assume that our drinking calms down as we age. Um, the statistics don't necessarily support that. Mm. So, twenty-seven percent of men over the age of thirty-five, between thirty-five and forty-nine, um, are binge drinking, and thirteen percent of women who report um, as being between fifty and sixty-four. And we're interested in in that cohort because the number of Canadian women who identified as binge drinkers has doubled from 1996 to 2013, which is a pretty, as you say, sobering statistic. Now, you mentioned that binge drinking and alcoholism can overlap, but they are two different things. What's What's the downside of binge drinking if it doesn't lead to alcoholism? 
Well, their excessive drinking is one of the biggest health problems we have in this country. We interviewed a number of specialists, including um, people at CAMH in Toronto, so the, the Center for Addiction and Mental Health, and um, it has a number of very serious health repercussions. And so we were looking at um, a number of your, we broke it down into different uh, parts of your body. So for the brain, for example, alcohol and depression are inexorably linked. They're linked by so many clinicians, so many studies support this, uh, that between 30 and 50% of people with an alcohol dependence are also suffering from clinical depression. And so that's a a very serious Mm -hmm. issue, obviously. Um, If you move on to the heart, people who, where there's ongoing alcohol abuse, are 40% more likely to suffer a heart attack. Heavy drinkers are also more likely to have strokes and to have them at younger ages than lighter drinkers. Um, The liver is what we most often think of, alcohol and hepatitis, alcohol and liver cancer, alcohol and cirrhosis, which is scarring of the liver. But we don't often think of the other cancers. Now, doctors have linked over the past few years, linked heavy drinking to a lot of other cancers. We've talked a bit more in our magazine and obviously in the wider world. People are getting to make the connection between breast cancer and heavy drinking. Um, But there's also colon, neck, larynx, esophageal cancer. Uh, That's really something we should definitely keep in mind when we're um, considering our alcohol consumption. So what are the factors that contribute to binge drinking? Why, Why are people doing this? Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people are using it as a stress release. Obviously, um, economic, the economic climate, the political climate, um, the fact that we're part of a culture of overwork, uh, the rise in mental health issues, growing social isolation, these are all things that can contribute to depression um, or just kind of a, a general malaise, which can lead to drinking, which, of course, then exacerbates mental health issues and, and goes on and on and on. Um, what we're also interested in is the fact that I think we can all agree that drinking alcohol is a vice. Um, whether or not you consider it that way, all of these you know, health repercussions mean that it's, not, it's something that isn't particularly good for you, that's for sure. But it's socially acceptable when we think of all the ads that we're seeing. We think about the fact that a customary indulgence at a celebration or in a restaurant or even just a regular night at home when you want to relax, often a beer or a glass of wine or a cocktail. These are ways that we unwind that are socially acceptable um, kind of mechanisms as stress relievers. And, and that's something that we should do consciously, not unconsciously as, as a reflex. How do we know? What are the, what are the signs to tell us that we're, we're in this position where we're, we're heavy drinking or binge drinking? Well, like we said, it's always good to count your drinks. I think um, the further along we go, mm. the, the less we count our drinks, um, but to be very aware of, of how we're drinking. Another thing is to, um, and we, we did speak with three different people, we have three different case studies in this article, is that often people around you will um, serve as, as sort of signalers of behavior. And so um, if a family member is concerned, for example, with, you know, with your drinking, that's something that you should definitely take into consideration. Um, if you're causing harm to people around you, so if, if your, your loved ones or your colleagues um, are being affected by your drinking, if your job is being affected by your drinking, you know, if you're calling mm. in and you're not feeling well because you had a couple too many the night before, um, obviously, you know, that can happen very, very infrequently, but um, if it's a regular thing, 
then you should definitely question how much you're drinking, um, what are commonly called blackouts. So when you can't remember anything, um, that when your brain is disrupted by your drinking, um, that's obviously a, a warning sign. Um, another one which I think a lot of people have, which is that you can't drink moderately. You set out to have one drink, one beer after work, one glass of wine at a celebration, and you end up having three, even though you told yourself at the beginning. So then you have to question whether or not you're in control of your habits. It's the same thing with not being able to cut back if you want to stay sober for a set period of time or to lower your consumption, and that doesn't work. These are all things that are are warning signs that definitely indicate um, a larger issue at work. Stephanie, if you do uh, find that some of these warning signs are, are showing up for you, uh, what do you do? Mm-hmm. So there's an interesting CAMH, the Center um, for Addiction and Mental Health, which I mentioned before, which is in Toronto. Um, they are doing ongoing research, which shows that there's one simple change that really could help Canadians curb their drinking. And uh, you and I were talking about it before before the, uh, the on-air interview, which is screening during appointments with your family doctor. Mm. So there's a lot of evidence from different organizations, including the World Health Organization, that show that family doctors can raise awareness of dangerous drinking simply by asking about drinking habits and expressing concern for certain consumption that exceed the standard low-risk guidelines. Um, But for that to work, we need to be truthful with our health practitioners. And I think a lot of people, um, when they're asked how much they drink or if they smoke, how much they smoke or how much they exercise, you know, we're Mm. tempted to maybe not be 100% truthful. And the more our doctors and our health practitioners know, the better they're there to help us. And so the suggestion is is to be honest with them. Um, And there's, there's a lot to demonstrate that that relationship of honesty, that the doctor can definitely help you curb your drinking. There are other other ways. Um, a lot of them overlap with alcoholism treatment. So people are looking at, you know, AA or they're looking at um, cognitive behavioral therapy. It's whatever works for you. But to begin with, you know, when you go to your doctor, be honest, and then you can go from there and get advice from professionals. The article is called Dangerous Drinking in the health section of the current edition of Reader's Digest magazine. Uh, Thank you so much for uh, sharing this with us, Stephanie Verge. If people have any more questions or they want to explore more, uh, of course, there's the article, but there's other places they can go. Yes. So they can pick up our magazine on newsstands or they can go to our website at rd.ca. Stephanie Verge, thank you so much for joining us on Talk of the Town. Thanks for the invitation.